Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 7 of the live show on YouTube. Um, I didn't post episode 6 because um, it was a very interactive show where Mario actually showed a whole bunch of maps, so it'd, it'd be a little bit pointless to listen to it um, without having the visual of the map. So, skipping over to episode 6, we talk about crossbows, compounds, and trad bows, and kind of um, our thoughts on, on all those, and... It's a pretty good podcast. I really enjoy talking about it. With that, got to thank Lou from Stealth Outdoors for sponsoring the show. If you guys need any stealth strips, be sure to visit stealthoutdoors.com and pick you up some gear, silencing tape. Uh, and I like, just so everybody knows, my favorite product from Lou is definitely the buckle silencers. Uh, they work great, and I think they've saved my um, making noise more than any other product. Uh, out there so also got to thank exodus outdoor gear the guys at exodus have been a supporter from the start of the podcast and they make a great product some of the best trail cams in the industry and also the best warranty in the industry they also go above and beyond uh, for their customers with all the content they they put out there on their youtube channel and also on trail cam radio and all their other platforms that they uh, produce podcasts on whether that be the land podcast or, or uh, the deer gear podcast. So um, check those guys out. Go buy you a Exodus trail camera. With that, let's get into the episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Show number seven. Uh, you can see our guest here on the right side of the screen, Uncle Lou from Stealth Outdoors. You are, uh, hey, Lou. Hi. You're a uh, repeat guest on Before the Echo, but first guest on uh, the live show. So, yes, sir. Yeah, you and Chad, Chad Sylvester from Exodus, are the I think the only repeat guests outside of Dan. So, um, everybody, thanks for joining uh, this evening. Got a little earlier start this evening than last week, so hopefully everybody can get on live and um, ask your questions in the comment section. And if you're watching this after the live event's over, make sure you leave us a comment and a like and all that good stuff. And if you haven't subscribed, subscribe. Got a lot of people saying that they subscribe and then they don't get notified whenever the event starts. You got to actually hit the little bell button next to the subscribe button for the um, notifications to go off. So that's how you do that little bell button. Um, yeah. Dan. Yes, sir. Got you a turkey this, this uh, pretty quick this year. Yeah, it was an interesting hunt. Uh, I mean, usually you get about uh, 20 hunts in before you kill one when you hunt like me and you go aggressively chasing after them. So it was kind of weird to get it done in 30 minutes, you know? Yeah. Um, but then you guys get you get in their tag next week. So I guess you yeah, just I bought bonus tag. I bought two bonus tags. So I got another tag next week and another tag the week after. Um, yeah. It's kind of a cool hunt. I, uh, I put a... Uh, Dave's blind up right in uh, Dave's spot where he always hunted and uh, his stakes were still laying there in the grass. Yeah. I staked it down with his stakes, put it in his exact spot. And I ain't much for blind hunting, but the last couple of years I hunted in the blind once a year with Dave because he couldn't do that because of his cancer, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, I just wanted to do, take one hunt and go out there. And uh, the last time I hunted with him and the last time I hunted for turkeys, I sat mm -hmm. in that blind with Dave 
and he told me the story about trash bag, you know, and hunting mm-hmm. trash bag, and pointed where it came out in the corner of the field. And uh, it was really weird because uh, I went out and I was going to hunt there, and I just thought I can't do this, you know. Yeah. I just wasn't feeling it. And I drove past and I just went and drove around looking for birds. And there were birds everywhere. And there wasn't any on any of the properties I hunt, which is bizarre. Like today, I had to run around with my kid because his car broke down. Mm-hmm. Same time frame. And there was a turkey in every property that I hunt. But for hmm. whatever reason, yesterday there wasn't a turkey on any of the properties that I hunt. And then I went by Dave's and there's one in the back near his blind, you know coming from like where I, I spread his ashes. And so I thought, well, what the heck? I'll, I'll go after it with no intention to go to the tent. I drove over behind the barn, hid the truck and snuck through some fields and then through a bit of woods and through a little swampy section and got across a low wet area where I knew the turkeys wouldn't come through and got to where I could hit the other side. And I felt I was 70 yards from where I had seen the turkey, but I couldn't see that spot. So I called and nothing happened. And if that turkey even moved 10 yards from where I saw him, I'd see him. And I saw nothing for 15 minutes straight. So then I crawled to the edge of the field and looked up there and there's no turkey up there. And I could see the vast open field. There's no turkeys out there. So I'm figuring they're in the back someplace, but I know they didn't leave because the only other exit out, there was a guy working the field with a tractor. It was the only Mm -hmm. other way they could go out. So I crept up to where I saw the turkey last and there was nothing up there. And I was like, hmm. I look over and there's Dave's blind. And it's just like staring at me, calling me over there. So I, I go over there and I jump in the blind and, and uh, I hit the calls and it was kind of a weird feeling. Cause I'm just sitting there remembering him sitting beside me talking about trash bag coming up right in that corner, right there is where we saw him. And I never saw this bird. Yeah. He saw it a couple times. He talked about it. Crazy Greg's his Dan guy that also passed away that hunted there. He, he saw it. And everybody's talking about this enormous turkey that's two times normal size. And I was like, is this thing like Big Bird? Is he yellow? You know? <laughs> it was kind of funny, you know. Um, but uh, I hit the call a couple times, set the call down, and I just sat back to think about, you know, things. And I don't want to set that call down. And right where I was standing 10 minutes earlier, I see a head moving and it's a hand coming out and then another hand and they're walking right towards me. And I was just standing over there in an open area and they start moving my way. And then I see two fans go up and two times come out and then some more turkeys come out and then more turkeys. I see turkeys all around me. And on that property in 30 years, I don't think we've ever seen more than five turkeys on that property in one year. Right. So it's kind of weird, you know, and uh, the times start we're working in and working in and working in slow. And, and uh, real cautious, you know, they're giving me the eyeball. I didn't have decoys out, so they're looking at the tent real close, and they're turning their head sideways, like, I don't see no hen, you know. And they're, they're inching a little closer, inching a little closer. And then they'd start fanning, and they'd turn around like they're going to leave. And I was tempted to pick up that call and hit it. But they're right there, and they know exactly where the call came from. And the hens kept coming. So I'm figuring, even if they turn around, they're going to come. They're going to follow the hens. So I just sat there quiet and finally, you know, they, they did kind of make their way over and uh, got to 20 yards. And then I picked the biggest one out and I shot it and it like took a heavy impact, but kind of stumbled and ran. So I must mm-hmm. not have got one in the neck bone or something. 
So I gave him another one and then rolled him. <laughs> and then uh, turkeys are putting and walking around clucking and like, what's <laughs> happened? You know? Right. And uh, none of them really ran. And then uh, the other one that was with them ran like five yards, looked around a little bit, then came walking over and it was like looking in the tent at me and stuff, walking all around in front of me and then walks into the bushes. And I look up and right in the corner where Dave said trash bag walked out, there's this giant turkey standing there, like twice the size of any turkey you ever seen. <laughs> it's trash bag. <laughs> uh, it's kind of funny. I, uh, I was looking at the film. I couldn't see a beard on it, but it's just this monster turkey. Hmm. I don't know if the beard's stuck to its chest or something, but you can even see the chest is just twice the size of normal. It's just weird. But hmm. uh, anyway, it was an exciting hunt. I, I got the bird and I uh, kind of got that hunt in with Dave. I think I'm going to lose the farm. They're selling it. So right. Um, it was good to get that, uh, that in. So yeah, that's super cool. It was more than just it, a hunt for me. Yeah. It's, it's kind of uh, crazy how things like that work out, you know? Yeah, it's almost like it's meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. What about the Michigan, Lou? Are you guys, you guys started already, didn't you? I think you guys start the same time we do. Yeah, April 23rd. They moved it to a Saturday last year so m more people could hit the opener. It used to always be on a Monday, which I really liked. Mm. But um, I drive by a place um, when I head into town. When I handed in Holly, there's a, there's a field that I used to have permission. I hunted it from like, 2000 to 2013 and i saw about 30 birds out there the other day and i knew when i lost that spot that i wasn't going to miss the deer hunt because we overhunted it but the turkeys that was it was nice to have that spot and they were taunting me the other day but it has started here i'm probably going to go late season we only get one turkey tag um in the spring in the fall you can get you know until they're sold out but in the in the spring here you can only get one tag so i'm just waiting Waiting in multiple tags, Josh. No, we can no, we get one also. We uh, we just get one. Our season's whatever three weekends. It comes in on a Wednesday, and then it runs three weekends, and then it's done. Hmm. Um, I don't know. It seems like around here, a lot of times the last weekend's the best weekend. Kind of in a weird, weird time right now, I guess, for in the in turkey hunting, um. Or in the turkey world, just kind of hinned up and everything. It seems like I've killed a lot of birds the last weekend, so I don't get too worried about it. I, I, we, I had a friend down uh, that I went to high school with over the weekend. Me and him were running around, um, and we we should have killed one um, Saturday morning. We had one kind of working its way in real slow. He was like, you know, gobbled at 150 yards and 160, and uh, he was coming right into. The, we had decoys out on a field edge and. This whole time, a white truck was kind of going back and forth, and like on the road, uh, you know, on the edge of the field there, and um, just so the, the bird disappeared. He's walking down a, a tree line to us, so um, you could just catch glimpse, glimpses of him sometimes. And then when he gobbled, obviously you kind of knew where he was. But um, that last time it gobbled, it was one of those deals where like, oh, you know, he's right here now, like almost in gun range. And then I don't know, nothing happened, and then we. We um, we got out of there and we drove around to the field just to see maybe if he went somewhere else. And um, there was a there was truck tracks that went into the field and then backed out and and went on. So um, uh, we he must have pulled in there in the little farm lane there. And I don't know if he's going glassing or what his goal was with that. But anyway, that was the only excitement we had. And Sunday was pretty pretty rough. I mean, we 
I don't think we ever heard a gobble Sunday. We could we could only hunt till about eleven, but um, we almost got one uh, Saturday night. No, Friday night. Yeah, it was the first first evening we went went out, and we were we located a couple birds. And on the way home, I was like, oh, let's let's stop uh, let's stop this one piece of public that I I know kind of maybe gets overlooked a little bit. And we pulled in the driveway, uh, and a hen um, was standing like ten yards from the um, the parking lot and she ran off and I ran into the woods real quick and I yelled at my buddy, the gear gun real quick. And he ran over there and we sat down and sure enough, the gobbler was like, if you imagine the parking lots up high and then there's a holler that goes down, the gobbler was down that holler and he, he worked his way all the way up there. Um, but he didn't, um, I mean, we were, we were literally sitting 30 yards from the truck. <laughs> so that'd been kind of crazy to get one that way. But, um, that was after Saturday. Um, we didn't. We had horrible luck Sunday. But well, when you only get one tag, all you can hope for the best hunt is the last minute of the last day to get that bird. <laughs> yeah, an earned bird is a loved bird. Yeah, I, I did that once. Got one on the last day. We go now. We've got a bonus week in June, but it used to end May thirty first. And I went up north with my buddy Dan where we deer hunt, and uh, got one on the last last day otherwise i either i either the season I, we have different seasons but we have this tag that what i'm waiting for it's called 234 and it goes may 7th to may 31st and it's a statewide tag but in the southern zone like the southern part of the you know where all the ag is where all the people are down here it's on public land only and up north it's public or private so i i usually get that tag or i'll draw a public land around here because i don't have any private anymore to hunt but so you guys have to draw a public land tag we do have a draw so I, there's usually enough left over you do not need to put into the draw unless you want the first season down here like i live in one of the more populated counties in michigan we're about an hour north of detroit and it's called zc and there's three three seasons i think there used to be four but now there's three seasons and if you want that first season on public land down here you got to put in in the draw hmm Usually there might be a few left over, but there's only a few hundred tags given out to hunt the public land down here. We have some public land up north. It's like that. You got to get drawn to hunt turkey on it. I guess now that I think about it, they don't I, I've had public here. They uh, they put you on uh, you, you draw, and it doesn't matter if you're public or private. Hmm. And if you and do draw the public land tag, your tags. So that's where we get our bonus tags. Is you can buy the leftover ones they have allotment for so many tags. So you can get leftover ones for, you know, the last week or the last couple of weeks. And that's where I got lucky. You got to call at a certain time and buy them at exactly a certain time or you won't get any. Hmm. Well, I have, I guess here in Indiana, I'm not going to hunt the last week. I'm going to be Ohio turkey hunting uh, the last weekend of season here. I'm going over there to hunt with some, some of the guys from the push archery. And then, uh, so I'll go this weekend and then, See if I can get one. If not, life will go on, I guess. <laughs> but I'll have a in Ohio. I'll have the I'll have a hunting license, so my deer tag this year, if I go over there, will be cheaper. So I'll probably end up going to Ohio just because it's going to be cheap this year because I have a I had to buy half of it during turkey season. If I can find the time to go over there, I guess. Hey, on top of in Iowa first week, and then yep, all the time in the world. That's yep. my plan. That's a, that sounds like a good plan to me. 
Um, I need, I didn't, I was hoping to go over there and do a little scouting this spring, but I didn't get around to it, but, um, Ohio opens kind of early. It opens in September, kind of like you guys do too. So I could even go there before Iowa. Um, but we'll see. I haven't worked all those details out just yet. <laughs> uh, Lou, are you going bear hunting this year? Did I hear that? You say that? No, there was a guy oh. I, met, I met up with in town. I, I, I met him. He's local here in Holly. And it turns out he's a bear guide. And Dan and I, Dan met a guy in the UP, gosh, 06, 07. And he wanted to start putting in for points. And now we've each got seven points, me, Dan and I both. And we meet this bear guide and he's up in Barriga. And I, he's got spot. He doesn't start booking until people draw their tags. So we're right now in the bear and elk drawing. And you have to draw a bear tag. You're not going to get one. You, you might be able to get some left over third season. But in the UP, um, where this guy's at is about the easiest draw. And and it's it's remote. It's got a lot of bear. Like I was telling Dan, you don't want some southern UP hunt. You know how he likes to have adventure. You know, like if he like cuts his uh, cuts his hand and he's squirting blood, he doesn't want to be like 20 minutes of the hospital. We got to be like three hours in an airport or a helicopter ride, right? Could be a helicopter drop. There ain't right. You know, worth mentioning. So I'm going to have you in helicopter country, but no, I probably won't go this year. Or maybe I will because I thought it was going to be hard for Dan and I to draw together because him being non-resident, he's going to, he's going to drag. They, they go to the least, uh, whoever has the least chance. But I think I got to reread it because Matt today, he was saying, and I think his business is G2 Outdoors. No, not G because they got G's in their name. His name's Matt Gadu. And, um, I think it's G2 Bear Camp. Um, if I butchered that, I apologize, Matt. But yeah, he says he's got openings, and um, I, I think I'd like to go with him. But and he's close to Amasaw, where I wouldn't be wasting my points. So we'll talk yeah. off offline, Dan. And you, you said you couldn't go this year, and I, I'm just not. I wasn't mentally prepared to go this year, but I guess I could sneak one in. I got seven points. I shouldn't. I shouldn't wait any longer. You can go. You can go um, smell the waters and see if it's good enough for me. Yeah. I, I honestly think I could I could get a tag almost every year up there, really? with, with in third season with with zero points and maybe one point. I'll have to go look, but we'll check the guy. They've got like based on history what it took last year, and and that's all you can really use. Yeah, I'd love to because I, I haven't hunted the UP for bear yet, and uh, it's on my bucket list because I love bears and I love hunting them in different areas and looking at the different laws and stuff, and that's on my bucket list, but. Uh, Unfortunately, for this year, I have a Wisconsin tag for bear. I have an Iowa tag for deer, and I got I got a lot of plans for this fall. So it's probably best that if I just camera keeps uh, fading down. Oh. It's probably best if I just uh, hold out to what I got and wait till next year. Next year, I'll have a open slot for bear. I could. Go to the UP if we can find somebody to work something out with next year. Well, I think we found them. Okay. Yeah, me and Dan both are pretty overbooked this year. Mm -hmm. but, me too. When when it gets to fall, I'm booked too. Yeah. Downfall of uh, is, is of uh, owning a hunting company or hunting product company, I guess. Sometimes. Yeah, it is. But I believe I'm but, coming to your state too. I'm going to be in Michigan hunting with you me and you are going to be with the, that podcast or the, the yes yes uh, podcast. Kevin. Kevin Kevin the deer hunter podcast so you're going to make that yeah 
Okay. Be there, so I'll be there. Good. Good. That I think he went up scouting, gosh, last week. He was showing shed and stuff. He wanted to go. Yeah, he, he invited me up camp, and I just I couldn't. I didn't have the time. So yeah, that's October. I forget the exact date. That's gonna be fun. Yeah, early October, right? Yep. You'll have people driving around looking for you again. Dan's in Michigan hunting. Yeah, early October. Look for me in September. <laughs> or November. Yeah, November. Other way, they're not tromping around the woods on you. Yeah. Ah, uh, you probably won't have a bigger problem. I mean, with, like the public land that, that gets. Public land challenge gets pretty. Uh, that's a lot of eyes on you there. So, yeah, you probably won't have a problem. I'm sure you get recognized, but not sought after. <laughs> oh man! So uh, you guys saw the the title of the 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 show was crossbows, compounds, or trad bows, and um, yeah, just you topic Dando. I'm not as buff as usual. Uh, yeah, yeah. That Dan is that's supposed to be a rant. Dan is supposed to be Rambo. I was trying to look for people from uh, like uh, famous people that shoot a compound bow, and Rambo was the like number one choice. So he's John Rambo in that picture. I don't know. I'm Hawkeye or some Avenger guy, and Dan was or uh, Lou was uh, the Walking Dead, which I've never seen an episode of The Walking Dead, but there was some guy on them that looked kind of cool in The Love Walking Dead. So I made that guy Lou. They they have cheaters <laughs> on The Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah they suck too i saw uh someone was I, I saw a post on facebook one time that uh that the arrows never go through the zombies or something on with the crossbows and i'm like oh must not uh, shoot a heavy arrow or something <laughs> Be before we did this i just my i called my sister because I'm, I'm going down to see my, my family down in southern illinois this weekend and uh, I was telling her, I said, hey, if you want to see me later, we're gonna, I'm going to be on this podcast. And I started telling her about the controversy with, with crossbows and, and the names that some of the uh, other bow hunters will call us. And I said, yeah, I think I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm called a girl. I'm weak. I'm lazy. She goes, so if Joe Biden hunted, he'd use a crossbow? <laughs> Joe Biden uses a crossbow. <laughs> Sir. Crossbow and a saddle. Yeah, he uses a saddle. No, <laughs> Oh man, no, Lou, you you uh, you picked up a crossbow. You said two thousand and nine, right? Yeah, Michigan. I thought the throwdown was over. <clears throat> you know, with with everybody hating crossbow hunters, I don't think everybody hates them, but there's still a little bit of animosity out there. But um, I was not involved whatsoever. Petitions, trying to get it accomplished, didn't have a care in the world. I shot a compound for years. Always sucked at it. Two thousand and nine. Um, there was a gentleman selling some some bark silencers for me, and he did some work with Horton as well, and he had a Horton crossbow sitting in his office. So I said, Jerry, what's up with the um what's in the what's in the what's in the box? And he's like, Oh, it's a crossbow from Horton. They had some trouble and stuck me for anyway, they sent him a, a crossbow was like payment or a goodwill or whatever. Well, Jerry was older than me, but he was an old he he he, he was in the business. His dad, um, it was Wyandotte Leather. His dad started making leather goods for Fred Bear. So that's the, and I found this guy and he started sewing for me. So anyway, I get Jerry's crossbow and I joked. I said, Jerry, let me take that home. This is 2009 in like September. And I'll cite it in for you and I'll bring it back in a couple of weeks. Well, I think we both knew what was going to happen. I called him a couple of days later and I said, Jerry, how much you want for that crossbow? It was a Horton Legend 150. And uh, not, you know, they're, the thing went, I, I chronoed it at like 246, you know, so it wasn't real powerful. 
And he said, 275 bucks. So I sent him a check and I had that crossbow. So I start shooting it and I really enjoyed it. You know, the neighbors would come over and I'm like, shoot this thing. And, and that's what we get um, accused of that. It's so easy. Anybody can shoot it. And it's true, but it, you know, they, they definitely are easy to shoot. There's no doubt about it. But as I started shooting this thing, I thought I always hated sitting in a tree stand because I was almost as bad at picking a tree as I was at shooting a bow. So I thought I really took to gun hunting around 95. I only bow hunted from 89 to 95, wasn't very good at it. My neighbor, Randy moved in next door and he goes, you need to start going gun hunting. So I really enjoyed getting on the ground and moving around. And I thought when I got this crossbow, I am going to start moving around during archery season. And I felt that I only needed to get, you know, 30, I, I was hoping 30 to 40 yards. I could sneak up on deer and shoot them. And all of a sudden I'm shooting deer with that thing at, you know, 20 and 25 and 30. I took one shot one time. It was a Halloween. I'll never forget. It was 2010, I believe. Um, you might have had the new forum then, Dan. And uh, I called it my, I think I called it my uh, my turkey hunting book. Uh, but I was trying to try and shoot a turkey with the crossbow. There was some in a field the day before I went out. And I actually even took a decoy. And I was out in this field and I was looking about two, 300 yards away where these turkeys were, were, were the day before. And I was going to go try and sneak up and shoot a turkey with the thing. And I look down at the decoy and there's a buck at it. And this buck was probably 46 yards. And that crossbow, like I said, it wasn't very fast. And by the time that crossbow went off, so I shot at the deer, that deer had flipped. So I'm shooting at him broadside. That arrow hit that deer through the ham, through the guts, and the arrow ended in the heart. And uh, that was the day I went turkey hunting. But anyway, I got the buck. But that thing was so slow and so loud that that deer was almost out of there. I mean, to shoot it through that much of the deer was kind of interesting. Yeah, you don't have much more range than a compound with a crossbow. I, I you know, don't feel so. About shooting a hundred yards and stuff, you can off of a rest with a you know you know, but your arrow, the deer would move before it got to it. You really have to shoot at the same range as you do with a, a compound. I mean, there are there are um, everybody talks about that Raven and you know that thing's like a two three thousand dollar crossbow. Um, I, I haven't really priced them. I've heard they're very spendy. Um, that, that you can shoot them sixty to hundred yards, but. I don't think that's good hunting. I know guys that are good enough. I know guys that are good enough shots that take compound and shoot to 60 yards. Yeah. Th that it wasn't me. Right. Those ravens. I, I, I'm, I'm not that good at 20. I got to stick to shorter. <laughs> <laughs> the ra the Raven crossbow, I've shot them before uh, just at targets. And um, what I had problems with those, they're kind of light. So it's, they're, um, you know, just kind of hard to hold it still. Um, but the, my dad, my dad's, he shot a crossbow the last, I don't know, maybe five or six years since they were legal in Indiana, uh, a while back. And he came this, uh, last weekend we were, uh, talking and, uh, he, he was telling me he's going to buy a compound this year. He just tired of carrying the big lunky thing around is kind of how he described it. Um, <laughs> There, they are, and and I, I shoot them because I wasn't that good with a compound. If I was better with a compound, it would be way easier because I'm getting, you know, twenty to thirty yards on most of the deer I'm shooting, and and I, I've I've skipped branches. I mean, what I've so I like to walking around with them, and it got me doing that. And I probably should try a compound again, but and I thought this anim animosity was over, but um, but I, I kind of got to the point where I where I'm I'm anti compound because of some of the things said about the crossbow hunter. So I've been playing around, as you know, Josh, I came down to your place last year and we were shooting. I'm still not very good with the longbow either, but I, I enjoy shooting and I keep trying every year. I'm like, okay, this is my year. And then I get right to hunting season. And I'm just, 
I'm just not 100% confident. Don't have the group. So when I was a kid, uh, I remember um, people hating compounds like they hate crossbows now. <laughs> because compounds were such a big advancement over regular bows. And they felt like you shouldn't have the full season with a compound, blah, blah, blah. There's the same arguments. Um, and honestly, I believe that the compound over um, modern archery gear is a bigger advantage than the crossbow over a compound. But they are both an advantage. You mean you mean you mean like a trad bow over a compound? Correct. Yeah. Correct. So I, I mean, you should you should trad. I mean, literally, you got to be within twenty, don't you? I, I mean, and yeah, then I it's mean, still you got to make sure you have the right shots. You're not shooting through a shoulder or anything like. You know, I, compounds are a huge advantage over tread gear. Um, and compounds are an advantage over, over. I mean, uh, crossbows are an advantage over compounds. I mean, but literally, uh, what are we out there for? I mean, the, the main thing that they put us in the woods for, the reason the man lets us hunt is to control deer populations. And if we can't control deer populations, they snipe them, they they go in with snipers, they trap them and relocate them and do all kinds of crazy stuff and, and eliminate hunters. And there are areas around me where they don't have hunting. They have trappers or they have uh, snipers because, you know, number one, if they open up hunting, they won't do the job because guys trophy hunt and stuff. But literally, you're supposed to be out there to kill deer. So the, the argument that it kills deer better, that's not an argument. Um, that's what you're there for is to kill deer. And, and actually, to me, now I know a lot of guys who don't put in the effort that us hardcore guys, the, the ones complaining, crying, whining, do. And I mean, some guys will sit and shoot those bowls like crazy and get really good with them. And I know guys that just cannot shoot a good compound. Maybe they got something wrong with their eyes. Maybe there's something screwed in their head or their physic or whatever, but they can't shoot a compound well. But they still want to hunt. They still get out there and they still go after it. And they were wounding a ton of deer with compounds. And they get a crossbow and they get a nice steady rest and they start killing deer. And instead of shooting five deer a year, they're shooting one and they're getting done and they're out of the woods. I don't think compounds are, are doing what they're what people are saying. They're not bringing huge numbers of hunters into the woods. It's the same hunters. They're just using a different weapon. And really, to me, what is the problem if the guy next door uses a compound, what, what do I care if Lou does? Or you, Lou uses a crossbow. I don't choose to use one just because I don't want to. I like using my my compound. And I know um, Josh tends to like using using your your uh, homemade bow. Um, sometimes you go with a compound, you know. But what does it matter what each person uses as a weapon? I mean, no, I can't understand somebody being upset with what somebody else does for a weapon because. Literally, they're going to control the number regardless. The DNR has a number goal. And they're going to hit that number one way or another. Whether they have to open up doe seasons, whether they have to you know, bring in more hunters, whether they have to do promotions for non-residents, whether they have to bring in snipers, they're going to hit that number. So what do you care what your neighbor hunts with? You should be worried about yourself. And if you got everybody out there that hunts with a, with a, with a uh, crossbow or a rifle or, or an air gun that shoots 5 million feet per second, if you took all those people and you made them hunt exactly like you, then you're not doing anything special. Period. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I mean, I think that the crossbow is is more efficient and, and, and obviously easier to shoot than a compound. I'm better at shooting a, a crossbow than the compound. That's why I went to it. And I've killed more deer with it. But like you said earlier, these game managers, good luck to the trad and the compound guys trying to get rid of the crossbow until they, I mean, I think they've lost it because the, the crossbow is killing deer. And the guys were saying, look, that... And that was their argument for why there shouldn't be a crossbow. And really, it's the reason that it's not going away. Sorry to tell you that, but these game managers love the crossbow because it's getting deer killed and they need they need a thin to herd. Some people forget, you know, a lot of people follow you, Dan, and a lot of people on, you know, are, are here because of you and, and Josh. Um, they're not here for me, but um mostly Dan. Yeah. Mostly Dan, but and I I respect <laughs> it when you get so good where you want to challenge yourself that you're going to go after the better deer. I'm still deer hunting, you know, but I'm not a threat to the population. I mean, I'm I'm not. They're not an endangered species, you know. There's millions of deer. People will complain, where are the deer? The, you know, there's there used to be more deer. We had an explosion. Go from the 70s and 80s into the 90s, 2000s. I mean, the deer herd exploded, did it not? Right. And 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 I hit a deer this year with my vehicle. On Thanksgiving weekend, coming back, I hit a buck um, on I-69 in southern Michigan in a snowstorm on that Saturday night, and I was disgusted with myself. And 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 afterwards, I, it took me two months to get my vehicle back, and it was $12,000 worth of damage. So you think, I, you hear people talking about the insurance company. Yeah, if you spent twelve grand on all these, you know, not every hit's twelve grand, but you, you got to thin to hurt. Yeah, and like... Like I agree with all that. I guess where I I get the most aggravated about the argument is that someone would have such an ego to tell another man, woman, and child that, um, you know, and then they got out of bed and they practice and they're excited to go out there with their crossbow and hunt, and then they get something and they're excited, and then someone says, "Well, this doesn't count because it's a crossbow," you know, right. or, or I can't believe you use a crossbow when, you know, maybe maybe you know. John Bob that works at the factory, he gets to hunt opening day and then he can't hunt for another month, you know, because he's working or has a family, you know, or six kids or like, and it's, it gives him, a, you know, maybe a little better opportunity to kill a doe or a spike or whatever his little heart desires, you know, and then that for, for people to, you know, tell him that he's doing something wrong, um, just as that's what drives me up a wall. Right. It's not, not, not everybody has the same amount of time to practice and stuff. You, you know, yeah. some people have families, they have jobs, they have things they have to do and they can't get out and practice all day long. Like you do. And to say, well, they should practice more and learn how to use a co uh, compound and they should get right on. You know, you can't say that about everybody. It's none of your business what somebody else does or they have going on in their life. You know, one thing that really, really frustrates me is every time we put up a video with Mario, you'll see the little Nazis come out and <laughs> complain about him using a crossbow. Like, whoa, yeah, you, you crossbow this, crossbow that. Look at this. This doesn't count. You, you know, this is pathetic that he would use that. And what they don't realize is he's got a shoulder injury. He can't use a, a compound. He yeah. can't use a regular bow at all. He can't straighten out his shoulder. He's got a, it was broken in a, a wrestling injury. So they're, they're picking on him, not even knowing that. Because they're just so brainwashed into, you know, crossbows are the worst thing in the world. You okay. know, if it makes a person more efficient, what do I care what they use? I they should be picking on me because I don't even have a shoulder injury and I'm not even old enough to, to I'm not 65 yet. I'm only 53 and I've been using it since 2009. I'll tell you what, I've enjoyed it. It just, 
I don't know why that weapon made me made me just go to ground hunting, but I ground hunt year round now. I mean, I, I've got a I've got one of Dan's stands, and I think the only time I put it in a tree is to take a picture of it, you know, to show product on it. I haven't hunted out of it yet. It's a great stand. I love it, but I'm on the ground. Um, I got a problem with that, Lou. You got you, That stand is built to hunt. That's I know like, that would be like locking me in a cage and telling me I can't hunt. You're killing that stand. I I knew that I right out of it. Now, I will, with some blood. I will change that. So my goal was last year, I'm going to hunt out of the stand with the longbow, and I'm going to hunt on the ground with the crossbow. But I just never get as much time as I want to hunt, and I just stayed on the ground because I never know where I'm going. I just I just go in the thickest areas, and I just see how far I can get until I stand a deer up or see one or whatever. And um, it's – what the way I ground hunt is a lot of work. So it's kind of comical to me when I hear how lazy I am. And the other day somebody had written that we shoot off rests. I have never once hunted with, with a rest for that crossbow or where are these people shooting off a rest? If, if they're in a tree stand, where's the rest, the shooting rail of a climber, where's the rest? You're still holding it. Now I'm not going to say it's hard as a compound to sh shoot. I don't know where my rest is, but I've crawled through stuff. And, you know, where you got to get down and crawl through it, it's so thick. I don't know how that makes me lazy. I remember one time when I was uh, I, I was hunting with a, a, a professional hunter, a trophy hunter. It was on a TV show. And he, a dilemma came up where he had to let somebody, something with his family or something, he had to let this uh, guy come in and hunt. And uh, he was like, I just... I have to do this. I have to get it over with. And I didn't, he didn't want to let this guy in because he had some big bucks he was after or whatever. And he let this kid come in and the kid shoots this little six pointer. And I was the first one over there. You know, it wasn't a kid kid. I mean, like a young adult who shot a few deer, you know, and he shoots this little like year and a half old six pointer. And I remember as a young man, cause I was a pretty young guy and a little more cocky and arrogant back in those days. And I come over on this kid and I'm like, Oh my God, he shot this little six pointer. That guy is going to unleash on him. I'm thinking, wait till he sees this little Bucky shot, you know? And that, that hunter, and I'm not going to name who it was, but he comes over and he, he looks at that buck and he looks at that kid and he goes, Oh, wow. Congrats. And he shakes his hand. And I'm thinking, wow, he doesn't care that he shot this little buck. Cause you remember all the mindset that these guys would have with like, it has to be three and a half years old. It has to have 10 points, you know? And this guy's just like, that is so great. And I'm thinking, wow. You know, after the kid left, I was like, I can't believe that you're you're so happy about that kid shooting that six pointer. He goes, happy. The guy got a buck. I don't want to shoot. He didn't shoot one of my target bucks. I got the whole season now. He's out of here. I got the land of myself. I am happy. And I thought, you know, there's good and bad and everything, you know, and, you, you know, um, if you get guys in and out of the woods fast, what the heck? I mean. You, you know, back in the day when I started, hardly anybody bow hunted. And the guys that bow hunted were something special because you're doing something way beyond what everybody else does. Kind of like the trad hunters now. You're doing something that other people can't do. You know what I mean? And f for the life of me, if these other people hunt, why do you want to make them just like you so everybody's a model of you? You know, it's like if everybody shot trophy bucks and everybody held out for, for 150 or a better 10 pointers, 150 inch 10 pointer wouldn't be a big buck. It'd be your year and a half. It would never end. It just, you're always trying to set the bar higher. So if a guy's shooting bucks with his compound, why does he want to make Lou <laughs> or anybody else hunt the same way he does?
take pride in that you're doing something special and that you're going beyond and you're testing your skills and stuff. And don't tell other people what to do. They're testing their skills to their ability or to what they want to do. I mean, some people just like the way crossbow shoots. You know, when I go carp shooting, because Mario can't shoot a bow, he's got a carp crossbow. I love that thing. And I want one too. That thing is awesome you know, for shooting for shooting carp. And it is more skill to shoot one with a regular bow, a carp, you know, but I like that crossbow. It's cool. It's cool the way you can just you know, shoot one. Like harpoon gun or something. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, whatever. I, I do find it fun to shoot, and it's funny because I wore my first crossbow out, not in the mechanical part of it, but it was, like I said, it was just a little cheapy Horton legend, and it had this red dot scope on it, and it had just one screw through the center of it, and I shot that thing so much, it stripped that screw out, and so I got a longer screw and put it, because it was threaded into the plastic, so first it just, you know, through the vibration, the shock, it warped that one out, so I went through, and I could get it on the bottom of the bolt, but you should really have two pins and something to hold it steady, Right. And it just, it just wouldn't hold center. So I went and got a, I really upgraded. I went from my $275 Horton legend that went 246 feet per second. Guess what I'm cheating with now? A Parker or something. And Parker went out of business. I got the thing up at Cabela's. I had a card for like two or $300 off uh, or a gift card. And uh, I think the thing was like 470 bucks. So it was funny. One day I got a um, good friend, Ronald Ashley. He, uh, he comes out, he's a real good archer. And uh, he brings his target bow out one day and he wanted to show it to me. And he opened the door and he goes, look at this thing. And he was all proud of it. And I, when it, when he pulled it out, I was just, I was in, I was in awe. I was like, my, my jaw dropped. Like I, I was not in awe of the bow. I was, I was in shock. I'm like, and he goes, what's wrong? And I go, that looks like two to three grand. And he goes, yeah, closer to three. And I said, I'm the cheater with my five, $470 crossbow that goes 260 feet per second. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know where I was going with that, but I got that story. Then. <laughs> I had somebody tell me that, uh, well, now they got crossbows that shoot two arrows. You got double barrel crossbows that got an over and under, and you got two triggers and two arrows. And you know what my response was? So? My AR holds 60 rounds. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys have seen the video of me shooting down a doe with that thing. <laughs> and that's another thing is like, you know, a crossbow guy has a, a compound guy complained to him and the, the compound guy is the trad guy. And then the trad guy has a guy that made his own self bow that complains about the trad guy. And then the, the self bow guy has the guy that makes his own stone points or, I mean, it's just like a never ending cycle. And then you get, Oh, well, this guy killed something with a spear. You know, it's like, I don't know. You just need to, people just need to do like mind their own business kind of, and right. do what makes you happy instead of uh, worrying about, Hey, I got to do this better than you. And um, if, if I am doing it better than you, I need to, I feel the need to tell you about it. You know, it's like, man, why can't you just be happy for a guy? Yeah. You know, you know a lot of guys are just so engulfed in themselves and it is kind of an ego driven sport. So you got these guys that just want to kill a big buck so bad. They'll do anything. They'll pay to be on a ranch. They'll go on an outfitter. They'll go lock up some public or uh, private land and lease it up so that they own, you know, 5,000 acres with a hunting property. You know, so that they can say, I shoot bigger, better bucks and stuff, you know, and, and, uh, you know, then they knock everybody else. And the thing about knocking other people is that I think a guy kind of like when a guy will say something about me and they'll say, they'll say, uh, you know, he does this, he does that wrong. He does this wrong. What they're really saying is, is I'm better than him. You know, look at the bucks I shot because, you know, he did that by cheating 
or you know to whatever extent they want to say i cheated whether it's using a crossbow or using my ar instead of my bolt action rifle uh, you know they got some excuse why they're better than me you know and i really think that it's kind of you know you hate to say it because you piss some people off but a jealousy thing and if you look in the mirror and you stare in the mirror why other than jealousy would you have any concern about how somebody else is doing or how they kill their deer you know i take pride in going in the midst of everybody i love personally going on a piece of public land that is crowded with people and being the one dragging out the big buck with the equipment i use and i could care less what anybody else is using or what they're doing out there i just smile at them tip my hat as i'm dragging the buck past <laughs> I'm I'm kind of an outlier on the beast. I'll shoot anything. I, I don't even know how I how I got on the beast. If I got a tag, if it's bigger than a rabbit, and I got a tag in my pocket for it, I, I'm I'm throwing arrows. And you know, I I kind of appreciate that honestly. <laughs> the funnest times in my life were when I was a kid, just flinging arrows at everything. I was like, I went through that. I went through the phase Lou has been stuck in his old life. When you know, when I was like in my teens, but I got enough deer and stuff in that time frame. To last a lifetime but uh those are some fun times i mean just going out and there's something pure about just going out for meat and hunting and fun and just having a blast and doing your thing and forget about the cameras forget about the the, the storylines and the crap you know that we all go through that when when we're supposed to be somebody making videos or whatever yeah. and just have fun you know and, and i'm getting back into that more in my older years where i just want to have fun you know i still i still i'm good enough at killing deer that i hold out for a special one but i want to get one i want to have fun i want to kill some deer i want to put some meat in the freezer and i want to see other people around me kill deer and enjoy it i'm not into the greedy thing or just me yeah I I, like go ahead John. there's a whole bunch of comments going through but someone asked uh why i got into uh, trad archery because it was Dave actually and I guess we were talking about crossbows but I, I don't know back in like probably 2015 um, man I just got I kind of got tired of all the um, all the compound stuff for a while just there was so much going on and um, it, I don't know during that time frame it was just um, see how far we could shoot and all that kind of stuff and I um, <laughs> I uh, went to uh, I ended up getting a, a recurve, a Hoyt recurve, and I shot a deer with it the first uh, first year I had it. And um, I went to one of these traditional archery shoots and got to meeting these people. And it was just like kind of that, that community was really like helpful. They're really non-judgmental with people inside that community. Like if you're trying to be shoot a trad bow, they're they're all for it and all that kind of stuff. So it was just a it's just a real positive community. Uh, inside the community, some of them kind of they call them the old crusties that complain about everything uh, as far as compounds and, and crossbows. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's I mean, I guess I, I did it for selfish reasons. Just I just wanted a different kind of a challenge. And I I'm super nerdy when it comes to all things archery. I haven't dabbled in crossbows much, but like I love tinkering with my compound and my my long my longbow. And there's some this unbelievable people in the trad bow community that you know don't they don't have facebook or any i mean i have a friend that lives next to me here he's killed a big game animal with a longbow in 47 of the 50 states um 
just meet people like that. I'm going going hunting with him in Ohio uh, next weekend. So, um, yeah, that's why I got into it. I don't know. It was just kind of a like one of those deals where you're like, oh, I'd like to I'd like to kill something with a traditional bow, and then I was like, well, might as well do it now. And then I just never really put one down. Um, then you've, I mean, you hunted with a traditional bow when you were young, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. I started, I started hunting first with like a, a little, uh, almost a toy, um, red bear bow. Yeah. I got some animals with that. My first animal was a muskrat that I thought was (laughs) an actual sewer rat. And I shot it between the (laughs) eyes and stuck its head out of the snow. And I ran all the way home thinking I had this giant rat. And uh, when I got home, me and my brother got in a fist fight because he told me it was a muskrat, and I thought he was making fun of me. <laughs> but that was my first animal. And then, uh, then I, uh, I actually, when I uh, got a little older, um, I got my dad's. My dad had a ninety-pound fiberglass bow, wow. and I couldn't get it all the way back, but I could launch arrows, and I actually killed some deer with it. But I would shoot a lot more than I'd kill. You know, I didn't know any better. I didn't have anybody to train me or teach me. And things were different in those days. And I would just throw deer at every, arrows at every deer I saw. I was shooting 100 yards with, with a traditional <laughs> type bow. You know, you know it, t- it took a while for me to get in the swing of things. Even even when I got uh, where I was killing deer on a regular basis, I was probably wounding a lot and missing a lot. And, well, I guess there's no probably about it. Yeah. Um, but times were different back then. And, y- you know, um, you learn and you grow from that. And you hope you can... Uh, teach today's young people not to go through that phase you know yeah for sure lou have you uh you've been shooting your longbow i, I did i broke it out here a couple you know I, I i do shoot more in the warmer weather you know and then i you know as we get to season i shoot it a lot during season i just i'll get real close like i'm going i'm going i'm going i'll get my you know i'll get my group tightened up and then i just fall apart but, um, yeah, I've had it out. I bumped into one of the guys that I knew through. Um, we had an archery shop in town, and the owner uh, passed away on the shop floor in the fall of 2019. And he, he was a real good shooter and had a group of good shooters around him. And, and I knew him because he was the local shop. And I bumped into one of his guys at the post office the other day. And just talking to him, he, I said, man, I'm just inconsistent. I think it's a form thing. I think, I, And he goes, you're peeking. And he just said a couple things to me, and I came right home, and I couldn't wait to shoot. And I shot my best group. And my problem is I keep wanting to get good at, you know, I'll start shooting at 20, 25 yards. He goes, you got to get closer. You know, so I, I need to start shooting 15 yards. Yeah. You reading, you reading comments? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to see what kind of questions we have. Some was, of them we can't answer, but. When I was, yeah, I've been shooting. I, might, I think this year I'm going to get one. What kept me good was I shot everything. Because we ate what we shot. So when I was young, yeah. I shot squirrels. I shot rabbits. I used to practice by shooting fallen leaves. I mean, I would just pick something in the distance and shoot it with a blunt, you know. Um, and I would shoot just constantly. And the reason I don't shoot um, a bow like that now much is because you got to practice a lot. And I just don't have the time. Yeah. And, you you know, you, you put your time into certain things. And some guys are into shooting. And they shoot so much that they get really precise. And all they have to do is get a deer in front of them and it's dead, right? And some people shoot a little and they concentrate on their scouting more. And that's me. You know, I, I make sure I put myself, I put deer in front of me and then try to be adequate enough to kill them, you know, rather than put all my time into shooting or all my time into something else. You know, I try to balance it. 
and it, it just takes a lot of work to keep up with a, a recurve for me. Um, and I got so much other stuff going on, you know, with business and work and stuff like that. That's just hard to, to shoot one on a regular basis. Yeah, it is a problem. And I've, I've really slipped this year. I mean, I haven't been shooting. That's what I, I mean, this name may not ring a bell to anybody, but like we're going in Ohio hunting and Tom Clum's going to be there and he's an Olympic coach uh, for recurve. And so I'm sitting here like, Oh geez, I haven't even shot this year. I finally got an arrow tuned for my bow uh, yesterday, but um, it's, you lose it. I mean, and I'm a good shot for the most part. And, and man, if you don't keep after it for even a week or so, it's like, gosh, what happened? Um, that's what I like about my compound. I mean, I pick it up. It's like a 22. You aim to sights. It hits where you aim. I mean, you might be off a little bit. You might get a little rusty. But yeah. you, pick, you put a you put a recurve down for a month or two and pick it back up, and you're not mm -hmm. right in the fucking sorry in the ring. <laughs> you get you're not even in the on the deer usually. Sometimes you know, especially if you're shooting 20 yards. I mean, that's a pretty good uh, poke. Um, okay, we got some people commenting. Uh, Lou, tell us a story of your first buck. This should be good. <laughs> hey, I, I got, can, can it be a button buck? Yeah, sure. sure. Whatever. Um, so to be with, with Lou. So I didn't, I didn't. Did you shoot a button a, buck with a crossbow? Oh, oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I did that in 2020 and I put it on Dan. I put it in the kill zone on the hunting beast. <laughs> I think it still had a couple spots on it. But so I didn't grow up in a hunting family, but um, my mom was from a farm in Minnesota. I grew up in Southern Illinois and my dad, when we got, I had an older brother and uh, when he got in eighth grade, he got a gun. When I got in eighth grade, I was two years behind him. We got a gun and my dad would take us out to a friend of his out, uh, you know, North of town and we'd go rabbit hunting. And uh, in high school, we did some uh, dove hunting with friends, but we never hunted much. And then when I got to college, me and a guy from my hometown, we got pheasant hunting quite a bit and when he graduated he was two years older than me i picked up a bow the next door neighbor gave me and my brother a bow uh hardly ever shot it and i went i'm gonna start bow hunting i had a professor dewey h amos that had 20 acres outside of town and he let me start hunting so I, I i went home and i grabbed this thing and i went to walmart and i got some arrows and i got some uh broadheads and i bought a, a suit uh tree bark suit off a friend of mine for 20 bucks and i didn't have a tree stand or anything i'd crawl up this big oak tree and i'd sit there and watch one of these days, one day I saw a buck doing a scrape. I had no clue what the heck he was doing. Nobody ever told me about that stuff. So had another friend. His parents had um, 900 acres outside of town. So the day after my 21st birthday, um, I was laying in a ditch out there. And here all these deer came out in the field. And uh, I, that thing must have been 40 yards. And so that arrow, that, that, that thing probably was 40, 40 pound draw. It wasn't very much. I didn't know how far to shoot. I didn't know a thing. So I shoot that arrow and that thing just comes lobbing in and it falls right underneath that deer. And that deer jumped back about five yards. So I'm like, well, I felt like I was to the moon. So I let that thing go. That arrow came down on that little button buck and, and came in like through the top, through the, and uh, that was the first buck I ever shot. I didn't know what a button buck was, but I had just read an article in the American Hunter magazine, how to field dress one. So at least I got it dressed out, you know, and then I went a long time. Then I graduated, moved up to Michigan and started bow hunting. And I, I just couldn't get it done. I went five years up here until I started gun hunting. And then my first buck with a gun was in Holly state rec area. And it, it took off running. It was like, I was back home shooting pheasants. And that thing took off running. I hit him with the 12 gauge. So 
I don't know if that answered the question on my first buck, but yeah, first yeah. one was a button. Yeah, and uh, a couple people, or uh, Michael commented here that uh, some people are just naturally good at a traditional bow. And um, yeah, there's some people who are just naturally good at killing stuff too. Like there's a guy that's killed uh, uh, every North American big game animal with a with a with a recurve. Can't remember his name. Doesn't really matter. But he he comes to the shoots a lot. And if you ever see him shoot, it's like how's this guy ever kill anything with this thing? But if you, I guess you put an animal in front of him, he just gets in the zone and it's dead, you know? Um, but I wish I, Oh, go ahead. No, I wasn't going to say anything else. Go ahead, Lou. There was a guy that I also met through Jim Beasley uh, shop. Um, anyway, I was at a big game dinner and they were talking about this guy. I wish I could remember his name. Cause I think he was a big name. It wasn't Fred bear, but it was, it was a real good traditional shooter. And he went into Alaska they were on a big game hunt and all these guys got off the plane and they were all rifle hunting. And this guy pulled out his longbow or his recurve, whatever it was, it was a trad bow. And they were kind of laughing at him like, what are you going to do with that thing? Well, th these guys were instructed to make sure their gun scopes didn't come off zero. Apparently they were partying the night before or something, but they didn't shoot at 80 yards or whatever. Very good. And this guy grabbed that traditional bow who was being mocked and he stuck three arrows in a, in a, in a, you know, and I can't get in front of the camera and a, you know, nice group. Well, we talk about drop the mic on that. <laughs> he was good too. <laughs> yeah, there. I mean, some. Yeah, Aaron Snyder's a real popular trad bow hunter now. Um, yeah, he's a natural killer and also a very good shot. So, uh, yeah, my buddy Alan, that's killed forty-seven big game animals in fifty states. He's not like an exceptional shot. I mean, he'll just tell you like, I just get a little closer. You know, instead of twenty yards, I get fifteen yards. Which that's what bow hunting's about, right? Getting closer, not necessarily trying to shoot him as far away as possible um but yeah i, I got the opportunity to meet War the great warren womack down in louisiana last year and uh that was a lot of fun yeah. so um, i met the guy at an event and and, and um i was uh, he was just telling stories he's a great storyteller and i was asking him some tips because he went to trap um, the guy's killed like 400 deer and he's documented them all something crazy. And, uh, I was asking him some questions, you know, like, how can I get better at trading? He goes, I'm a horrible shot. Don't ask me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's, that's what, you know, uh, that's what my buddy says too. He's like, ah, he goes, ah, you know, I don't know if I'm the best person to, you know, me and him are actually, you know, we're going to hopefully get lessons from this Tom Clum guy. So I don't know. Um, but you think a guy like that, you wouldn't, wouldn't need any much advice, but I guess there's places you can get better at all the time. There's a lot of discussion. I would, maybe I want to get your guys' opinions. Uh, we're not getting a lot of questions per se, just a bunch of discussions and kind of arguments to what we're saying, which is good. Um, I'll read them later. Get, yeah. What do you guys think about uh, – um, it looks like in the comments people got talking about kids uh, and, and uh, saying, you know, crossbows gives kids the opportunity to go hunting at a younger age, and they're kind of arguing about is that necessarily good if you're too young and – um, this and that. What do you guys think about uh, how old should a kid be before they're allowed to go hunting? They, they passed a law here in Michigan where they used to have, I think it was 12 years old and then something at 14. And then they, they've done a lot of things to where they just put it on the parents. And, and, and that's where I think it should be. I mean, every kid's different. You know, I didn't start hunting with a bow until I was 20, I, just before I turned 21. Um, and I wish somebody would have taken me earlier. I wish somebody would have shown me how to shoot. Um, I don't know if crossbows were always legal, if I would have picked one up to begin with or not. It, it, you know, I shot archery for a long time and before I did it. I don't know. I don't know that, that I have an age limit. 
you know, whatever gets kids uh, involved, you, you know, I'm good with. Part of me wants a kid to earn his way into camp um, the way I did. Well, I didn't really, but way kids did when I, when I was a kid. You know, um, hunting camps, you didn't just, uh, it wasn't like, oh, Johnny's old enough now. This is great. Let's bring Johnny in and make sure he gets a buck and put him in the best spot, which is what we do with kids nowadays. In the old days, hunting was taken really seriously, you know, like when I was a kid. And if you got into somebody's camp, you had to earn your way in. First of all, you had to be a respectable person or you couldn't hunt with them. Then once you got in with them, you were not hunting in one of their spots. They had their areas and you were off to the side and you had to earn your way and find your spot and, and grow it. And uh, nowadays it's just handed to them and it, it loses something because kids, when I was growing up, it was like becoming a man. You got When you got to hunt and you got to be in the camp with the adults, it meant you, you're growing into a man and it was like, you're being accepted into that and uh, killing a deer was a big deal and stuff. And it was something you earned. And sometimes it took you three or four years to get one. And uh, nowadays, if you can't you do it like that, I think that that grows better hunters. You, you appreciate hunting and you appreciate the deer you get and stuff when you earn them. Just, just like uh, uh, the guys that are listening to this that hunt public land love it so much when they kill some buck, they've been hunting for three years on public land. I mean, it's, you earned it. That's what you're loving, right? Well, that's what I think teaches a kid to appreciate hunting is to earn it. But in the same mindset, you were competing nowadays with, with video games. They didn't have when I was a kid, they're competing with cell phones that I didn't have when I was a kid. When I was a kid, we had one TV. It had three channels. It was black and white. And we had a phone that was mounted on the wall next to my dad and my mom, where they sat in the kitchen where if I want to talk to a girl or something, I had to sit next to them and talk to her. <laughs> Basically, if you wanted something to do and you didn't want to watch Barney Fife on TV, you, mm -hmm. you went outside and you found something to do. You know, you go, when it created a game, there'd be baseball games on every corner. The rivers all had paths alongside them. You go down and, and fish them. Now that's all grown in jungles because nobody does that anymore. No you'd go out in the back with your bow and you'd go shoot rabbits or whatever. Um, and you, you'd go out and create an adventure. Now, you got to talk a kid into going hunting. And not only that, but like if I shot a buck and I went to uh, school for months, the teachers and stuff would be like, Dan's the one who shot the eight pointer, you know, blah, blah, blah. He shot an eight pointer last, last fall, blah, blah, blah. You know, now they say he's a killer. You know, look at this. You shouldn't be killing animals. Like they told my kids in school, you shouldn't kill anything that has a face. You shouldn't eat anything that has a face. In public schools, they took a day out and taught my kids that. I had to correct that. I had to go fight the school on that. It, it's bullcrap, you know? Um, but we're competing against all that. So I think we have to kind of cater to the kids. As much as I hate youth season, because I think a kid should earn his way into hunting with us, not having a special little season. <laughs> we need that special season because we have to bring them in. They're not quite the adults we were when we were kids. When yeah. I was a 12 year old was a man, he had a job. You know, I took care of a farm when I was nine years old because the farmer's, the farmer's kid died and he came over and told my dad he needed me. And my dad said, well, you got to go over and help. And I had to go over before school and after school and take care of this farm. Kids nowadays couldn't even handle that. Yeah. I did that when I was nine. I mean, a, a 15 year old kid couldn't even handle it. I don't think any of us could fathom our kids doing what I did when I was a kid, you know? So 
it's different times. And I think the people arguing that uh, kids should grow up hard, kind of like I even want them to grow up a little harder than they do now. I think they got to take a step back and say it's different times. And you have to look at what you're facing with those kids, you know, and what you're competing against. And if you pushed a kid too hard, and I did that with my kids. I pushed them too hard. James, I would want him to, you know, he was a great hunter and I'd want to push him. That's rat slayer. I'd push him so hard. You know, I'd take him out. He's 12 years old. I'd put, I, I used to put a lone wolf elf on his back with five sticks and a camera arm and his jacket and uh, these heavy boots and dress them up in, in all this crap and take them through um, ball deep muck and water for two or three miles back into a swamp and then navigate back out with a compass at night. And I'm thinking, this is a great hunt. This is a cool experience for this kid. And I was literally killing him. You know, he couldn't take it. And, and I think I pushed him so hard that even though he was very successful, that he kind of stopped liking hunting with dad. You know, we can't push those kids. They're not little us. It's different now. You know, it just is. Yeah, it's different now than even whenever I was growing up. I mean, I was in the 90s, so, um, but, like, I, people are throwing a bunch of ages, ages out here about, you know, when is a good time and when's not. And I killed my first deer, which was a decent eight-pointer when I was nine. And I'll be honest with you, like, my dad, I mean, I climbed up in a climber myself, shot it with my, you know, smoothbore 20 gauge myself. Like nobody held my hand. You know, my dad was, you know, he was, he was close. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't in the same tree by any means, but he was, you know, the next ridge over or whatever it was where I could see him and he could see me and he could see the, see what I was doing, make sure I was okay and all that. I mean, I was freaking nine, you know, but, um, yeah. And, you know, I did all that myself. I felt like I, you know, I, I vividly remember every aspect of that and like was prepared for all that. And like, I got some cousins, little cousins, my cousin's kids or whatever that are nine years old. And I'm just thinking these kids are whole different, you know, different generation that um, yeah, they're probably not ready or responsible enough to um, handle a gun in a tree stand by their, themselves, you know, um, but whenever I was little, like I was little as a nine, I was completely confident. My dad was confident that I, you know, would be okay. Um, that's not bragging about me. It's more bragging on my dad, I guess, for whatever he did right up until that point. Um, but yeah, now it's like, I don't know, you go, the kids go set in a box blind with a tablet and play on it until their dad <laughs> taps their shoulder and says, Hey, get off the floor and shoot this deer, you know? And, uh, I don't know. That annoys me to no end. Um, yeah. I mean, I took a, I took a, uh, I don't know how old he was, maybe 10 or 10, 10, something like that out hunting a couple of years ago. And, you know, we got there in the morning and he, uh, we were sitting there and it was in a box blind. He, you know, they had a box blind on their property and, and we sat there and it wasn't even light yet folks. And he was like, where's the deer? And I'm like, well, buddy, I'm like, sometimes you sit here and you don't see deer for a while, you know? And, you know, within 20 minutes of legal light, he was, he had played all of his games and was asking me for my phone to play games. And I'm like, I don't have games on my phone. And then, you know, 30 minutes went by and he was done. And he, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to stay here with you. I don't care if you kill a deer or not, you know. 
<laughs> move back to the house and do, you know, life went on for me, but I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, man, they don't have any, you know, sense of what hunting is um, because of that. That's what worries me about the next generation is not being able to, um, you know, do anything without having to have some kind of distraction. What worries me about the next generation is, is the, um, the whole, you know, um, success thing is like, they just, they get it handed to them and they learn to buy it. I mean, uh, when I was a kid, a lease was unheard of. Yeah. Leased land. Everybody gave permission. You could pretty much hunt where you wanted. You know, there'd be a couple of people that were, you can't come on my land, but not many. I mean, you could go just about anywhere if you're, if you're nice and polite to the landowners or whatever. And, uh, uh, every place got hunted. So it was hard to hunt everywhere. Getting a big buck was, was, was a huge accomplishment where now they can buy it. And a lot of fathers start their kids out wanting them to be something special. So they take them to some big ranch or taking them on outfitted hunts. They're taking them, you know, they're getting huge leases and putting the kid in the best spot and stuff. And it just, um, teaches that kid that uh hunting's about money it's about buying it where it's not supposed to be it's supposed to be about adventure it's supposed to be about the path you take not the end result yeah that's, that's the future problem yeah well, the older generations have been worried about the younger generations since since the beginning of time and 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 so far it's been all right so i had some faith yeah. You see a lot of good young people, and you're like, you it's going to be fine. The guy I saw the other day with boots all the way up to his crotch wearing skinny jeans or skinny shorts. <laughs> he had leather boots all the way up to his crotch. Purple and green hair. I was like, Carol, you see that guy? You see that guy? She was pointing. I'm like, what? That's a dude. <laughs> I was getting ready to echo what Lou said. I was getting ready to say something we like, ah, we'll probably, I don't know, it'll probably work out one way or uh, the other. Hopefully there's more of those leather boot guys. With- <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was scary. I didn't mean him. Uh, someone I asked to if- the doors of the truck. It's like, whoa. Yeah. Sorry. Someone was making fun of me saying I probably get on my phone when I'm hunting. Not very often. I don't, I try not to. I, I wear a watch. Try to wear a watch when I'm hunting and all that. So I don't look at a phone for time and um, you, they can get you in trouble when you're hunting if you're on them too much so yeah i used to not carry a phone until i had a friend fall out of a tree stand and it saved his yeah. life yeah I, I carry it for sure but i it's usually in a you know in a, in a pocket or whatever i try not to look at it much um you hear all kinds of horror stories about people being on their phone looking up and a deer's looking up at them or whatever um and plus i got a freaking camera at my side I'm always messing with or trying to film something or you know <laughs> um but anyway I don't know if we uh we covered everything um on the crossbow stuff you want to talk about Lou no I thought we were going to have a debate like you were going to be pro trad and I was the bad guy and then Dan was going to jump in because he shoots compound heck we're all supportive of crossbows this didn't this probably didn't go over too well we could, we have, get- some, we could have some jerk call in <laughs> Uh, they call in and torch me for having my special weapon. Um, you call in and tell us off. Yeah, if anybody wants to call in, we can we can answer some questions. Uh, and while uh, to, to do that, message me on Facebook. I got my <clears throat> I got my Facebook messenger <laughs> up here. Um, I was going to bring up some breaking news that uh, came out last Friday. 
the corner crossing. We got a little update on the corner crossing scenario in Wyoming that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Those guys, um, uh, they got they got off of their charges. They they were not guilty for their their charges of corner crossing. I guess supposedly the landowner filed another suit against them for the same exact thing in 2020. Um, I guess they got they got filed another um, another suit uh, during the court. I guess the police officer, whoever ordered them uh, their papers <laughs> during a break and and during court, and uh, yeah, they got they got charged again for. They have to go to court in June, I guess, again, for the same exact scenario in 2020. Um, so it sounds like they're still ticking away trying to figure well, out. Uh, well, maybe they'll have a harassment suit. So, um, Yeah. But it, it did turn out that that suit, that uh, case turned out in the, the hunter's favor. So, mm -hmm. um, which is, which is it's a, pretty, a good it, thing. It's just pretty ridiculous. I mean, uh, yeah. the whole thing is that, that that landowner is an outfitter. Who is, who is using our land that we pay taxes on to outfit and feels that it's his own personal place and nobody else should be able to hunt there. They yeah. should he shouldn't be able to outfit on. That's what they should do. I mean, they should make a law that you can't outfit on a, on a public land there, even though I hate the idea of that. But if nobody else can go on that land, he shouldn't be able to outfit on it. There should be something to lock that, like, if he's outfitting on that property, nobody else should be able to hunt. Yeah. I was reading, I was reading through the, so the guy was, the guy, whatever, his complaint about the four guys was they were intruding on his um, ability to enjoy his land. You should and, tell the truth, he's an outfitter. Yeah, yeah, no, he is, but that's what, that was what the, the whatever the writing was, what the write-up was. He was but he's enjoying a pocket full of money from clients using yeah. our land that we pay taxes on. It, yeah, and it sounded like, uh, it sounded like the jury was like your 20,000 acres, their shoulders going over the air line of it is not, um, doesn't classify for them. Um, you know, intruding on your rights as, you know, or having fun on your land or whatever. So, you know, what's kind of cool is that there's guys like that that'll actually stand up for something. They're going in there and they're, they're not, I can guarantee you it's a pain in the arse for those guys to fight this and they're not doing it out of pleasure. Yeah. They're doing it to make a point, or they wouldn't go back of the first time they were cited and got out of it. They knew there was going to be trouble, and they're doing this for everybody, for all of our good. And uh, they're taking one on the chin for it. And uh, we should all be backing them up on that. Yeah, but like a guy from Going for Broke commented on here, um, it's not. It isn't over yet. They're still. They're still in court over. There's. They got more dates and all that. So it's not really a. It's not really the book's not closed on it per se. Yeah. Um, so I think June 3rd is when they got to go back to court, if I remember right. Um, but yeah, oh, yeah, you, I guess. Did you, say, did you say going for broke? Just uh, left a comment. Jeremy did. Hey, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, I guess I, the, the debate was a little bit one-sided. I mean, I, um, I understand why people, get up get get frustrated with it or with the the whole I, I get the argument i just don't think it's a good argument i guess that's what my my uh my thoughts are on it <laughs> on the crossbow thing like i i'm completely on the other side i have no desire to to shoot a crossbow because of all the reasons people complain about like i don't 
me personally, I don't, I don't, I, yeah, it may be a little easier and I don't, I don't have any desire to make things easier. I guess where that's where I get, I get uh, frustrated is when people think that everybody else has to think like them um, or have the same amount of fun oh, doing whatever. My bottom you know. line is that no argument that anybody's made yet makes any sense. There's no reason why they should have any problem with what somebody else is doing. No, no, no argument that they've had so far that I've seen makes any yeah. sense to why they should stop. And I just, I just do it because it's legal and I'm having a blast. And, yeah. and, and if you want to take a guy like me that doesn't get a hunt as much as, as he wants to, I don't get a hunt as, as much as I want to. And so when I go out there, I'm enjoying myself. And that's why I, I shoot the longbow way more than I shoot the, uh, the crossbow, but I still shoot it quite a bit, but I, I'm having fun with it, you know? And sometimes I read some of these things. And I'm like, really? I'm not supposed to be having fun. I mean, if, if, think about golfing. I mean, if, I'll probably get you tore up for making that analogy, but I mean, they got like four different sets of tees at golfing, right? Could you imagine the guys in the back being, you know, being snobs and saying that the guy's three tees up or even, Hey, I'll tell you what, I don't, when I used to golf and I sucked at that too. Um, uh, there was a time where I did hit from the women's tee because I was tired of putting the dang ball and, you know, I had to go over a pond and I kept going in the pond. But generally, I don't hunt or uh, golf from the women's tees when I did, but I, I did once. So they go, see, I knew it. I knew that crossbow hunters are girls. <laughs> I get a uh, I get a kick. Uh, everybody in the hunting industry makes fun of uh, golfers, you know. It's like, a, I don't know, it's just, people think it's crazy yeah. to golf. You want to know a fun fact about me? I, uh, I actually played collegiate golf and – I went to the national championship in college two times through <laughs> in the four years I played in college. So I, I don't golf anymore. I kind of quit after college, but um, a lot of people don't know that about me because I don't play anymore. Don't really talk about golf or anything, but I golfed in high school and enjoyed it. And then when I, I, I just got worse and worse, the less you do it. And really yeah. the, the analogy kind of holds. So the less I played golf and then my wife started really enjoying golf. And then we'd golf. Sometimes we'd get, you know, go out couples, get, you know, go out and have fun. And, but the less you play, so you go, you go from five times a year to twice a year, you suck at it. And then you don't enjoy it anymore. It's just frustrating. And I kind of got that way with the with the compound. I just, I just, you know, I was tired of missing deer. And when the thing became legal, I just picked it up, and I'm, I miss a, a lot less deer these days. Yeah, but I still miss them. I've missed them. Yeah. Yep. I have killed deer with a uh, crossbow, though. So I, I have uh, some people. I think have never took one to the woods, and they have an opinion about it. You know. Um. But. Well, like you did, you said he's going back. I mean, and and I may go back someday, you know, to a compound because because I can. I don't know, but it's it's I, I do what I feel like hunting with. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, I haven't got anybody uh, to uh, want to call in yet or anything. Yeah, this is a pretty this is pretty uh, touchy topic to to call in on. I did have another topic. Yeah, what do we want to talk about? Well, let's let me let beat this to death. Let him call in. <laughs> got Lou on the air here. You can talk to the famous Lou here. And yeah, ask him some silencing uh, questions about. Let me get to my uh, other messages here. I have my wife's uh, messages up. Let me get to another one. There's a gentleman that could not get on today, and he was wanting to call in, but he he um he couldn't get on. So let me. He had a he had a pretty good question. It's kind of long, so bear with me. And I'm gonna um, I'm going to 
try to do my best to, to paraphrase a little bit here. So it's for Dan. Lou, you can you probably won't have much to say about it, but you can chime in if you want. Um, okay, he says the answer could go a lot of ways, and I think um, the question could be asked a, a lot of ways. I've got some ideas on what I see, but wanted to see what you all thought. He lives in West Virginia, so it's, it's hill country, um, and he hunts southeast Ohio as well. And he's wondering if Dan or myself have been able to notice any uh, tendencies or thoughts on what goes into a buck's decision into where he decides to bed in the morning before daylight. I know a lot of people aren't fans of hunting bedding in eight in the morning, but I do it a lot and, I, and look for conditions to go for broke in the morning. Personally, I like for winds that are steadier at night and uh, be able to predict a little better on where he might end up. Um, and he's essentially was, he went on to say, I mean, it's a, it's a really long, uh, that's not even touching how much he sent me, but you know, he went on to say maybe in the mornings, the thermals, uh, before light comes up there, the deer aren't thinking about thermals because there's, they're, they're not there. I think he's wondering is like, is there like a secondary bed they are in before they go into their primary bed for the, the mornings when the thermals start to switch and, um, that kind of thing. So. Usually the good bedding points in hill country have a whole bunch of beds on them and they shift around as the winds shift. So they go up into that bed and they go up into the dropping thermal because the, dro the thermals are dropping in the, the evening or the air is dropping. I mean, in the morning before light. And uh, they go into the wind, nose into the wind up to the top third of the hill. And they get up there where they're just smelling the winds blowing over that hill, turn around, bed looking downhill. If thermals change and wind changes and it does periodically through the day most of those most of the time that area will have several beds and they'll shift around from bed to bed based on that in some in some terrains like um uh some of the more steeper stuff like in western wisconsin and some of the stuff in iowa that's really steep um you have such a um a steep drop-off point like you'll have a hill that goes down on kind of an angle and then it'll drop off rapidly right Right where it drops off rapidly, a bed there can sometimes that can work for whatever wind it is because um, that is the spot where the wind ends. It's the spot where the thermal drop rises up to, and it stays pretty consistent. So um, you have more worn beds in that steeper terrain, right on that uh, military crest, where there are more rounded hills. You'll have a lot of beds. To the point where sometimes you can't even see the beds because they're, they're moved around so often to get just right in the wind. Um, I hope that answers the question. Yeah, I may have asked it wrong too, um, and I told him if I did, if I if I did ask it wrong, just to hop on. I next think week I know and he's getting that. Well, do they move their beds? Yeah, you know, as the as the day and the wind changes and stuff. But absolutely. Um, yeah, we call them thermal shifts or wind shifts. Um, they do it all day long. I mean, sometimes when you get a 180, they'll switch and they'll move to a whole different bedding area in the middle of the day. Um, generally, they move short distances. That's why I kind of pick the areas like thermal hubs and stuff. When deer get mature, the older they get in hill country, they start looking for areas, in my opinion, that hold everything they need in a small area. So the wind could blow any direction and they don't have to move far and they don't have to leave cover to have safety. So that's why thermal hubs are so good because they can bet anywhere around that circle, no matter what the wind does, how it changes, 
a front comes in and the wind changes 180, they can just drop through a valley and up another hill. Um, that's why they like long, narrow points, because on the long, narrow points that kind of bend around, there's basically little knobs and stuff all over them. They can get any wind there is, especially if that point, you know, is has a, a, a west or northwest wind blowing straight down it, because that's our most common wind out here. So then they can cover just about any wind and just the, you know, east winds. Well, then they kind of get around a bend or something, and there's a spot they can bed there. Um but I think that kind of covers what he's talking yeah. about. Yeah. There's some other questions that come in. This one's kind of for me. What was a good price on a longbow um, and a few brands? I don't bucks. know what you – yeah, I don't know what you mean by good, good price. price. It is a good price. Yeah, if you get one for that cheap. Um, Jason Sankoviak, who we had on the podcast uh, a couple a couple weeks ago, if you get on his channel, Traditional Boning Wilderness Podcast, he goes over some really good affordable ones. One's called the Samic Sage. It's like maybe 200 bucks or less. Um, that would be a good one I would recommend if you're going to start out. I mean, you can spend – you can buy a custom-made longbow for $2,000. I mean, you spend however much you want. But if you're just getting That's into it – my crossbow. Yeah. $2,000 yeah, I mean, my crossbow. It depends on the type of you – know, you can go to a bowyer and you can pick out the wood and – um, you know, different types of wood and all that kind of stuff. It's all different overlays. They can put antler tips on the, you know, the limb tips and they're, they can do all kinds of fancy stuff, fancy it up as much as you want. Um, but that's a good one. And you made like, your own bowl, right, Josh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's always I an option too. And I think, uh, I think that's a really cool one because the reasons people get into traditional gear are kind of the same reasons you'd want to build a bow and kill a deer with it. Yeah. Yep. And there's all kinds of good um, information on how to do that. I'm, I'm not an expert by any means. I just have, I just kind of followed a book and have made a handful of them. I, I tried to make one uh, two weeks ago and I freaking broke it making it and then had to start all over. So it's very frustrating sometimes, but. Um, Josh, let me ask you this on this, on this topic. So I uh -huh. bought my longbow off a guy on the hunting beast forum classifieds. And I, I, gosh, I think it was 80 or 85 bucks. I thought, how, why would I not buy that? I wanted to start playing around with a longbow. So I think it's a mad dog or something. You saw my bow. I mean, it's a nice looking bow. It seems to shoot well. I think it's the operator error more than anything. My question is if I went and bought, spent 500 or a thousand dollars on a bow, you think my shooting would get any better? Does that no. matter how much you spend on a bow? No, I mean, there's definitely bows that shoot better than others, you know, but it's all pre personal uh, preference. I mean, um, just like a just like a compound, there's it's probably more so different. I mean, in the traditional archery, where you know, a bow just you'll pick up a bow sometimes, and for some reason, it'll just shoot exactly where you're looking, um, and then other ones just shooting just to be like. You know, this thing feels awful, but what are the problems you have with a cheap bow? You got one limb that's a little stronger than the other, you got the the, the arrow connection off on an angle, what yeah. So, arrows the arrow height where you have your arrow wrong, or yeah, I mean, yeah, you can have all that stuff, like you call it tillering, which is essentially one limb's um, off more than it should be. You know, they are a lot of times a, a traditional bow, their limbs will be a little different just because where you put your fingers, you're you've got such a get such a you know you're you're pulling from below the arrow so it makes you got a, your bottom limb you're pulling more on it than your top limb per se mm -hmm. um but it uh a quality one like those samic sages like there's nothing wrong with them they're they're going to outperform how you you know then 
outperform your shooting ability. Uh, but a lot of times, like it's, it's usually like the quality of the glue up and stuff, like maybe won't be as good. Um, when I mean glue up, like the epoxy that they use or something like that may not be as, as good, but you can also like, there's some, there's some boyers that just aren't as good at making bows and they still charge, you know, $1,200 for a bow, but it's, they're just not as good as, you know, what some of the other good bow makers are. So there's like a thousand different bow makers. It's, it's way more diverse than the compound world. I mean, there's a bowyer, you know, it seems like in every county. So, um, and then you got your big ones like Black Widow and Bob Lee and Bear Archery, the um, Stalker Stick Bows. Just, those guys have been around a long time. So those are some of the brands I have liked in the past. If that means anything to anybody. Um, but yeah, if you're going to start off, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't spend $1,500 on a custom one because unless you just got the money and want to spend it on it, that's fine. But those $200 Samick Sages are going to shoot just as good as um, your ability to, to shoot. So I ask a couple people, and I think it's called a mad dog before I bought it. A couple people that I know, Big Daddy, you know, Big Daddy, Dan. Um, he, he said, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that bow. I, I think the only problem with that bow is the one pulling the string. <laughs> yeah, he, he's probably right. I mean, it's, um, if a bowyer knows what he's doing, it, there's not going to be a big difference. Um, other than you're changing, when you change woods and stuff, you're changing the weights. People prefer a heavier one or a lighter one, just like a compound, you know. Um, How long do they last? Uh, the ones they make now last forever. Because I know when I was a kid, uh, you, you know, old bulls were known to break or crack. Yeah, like dry. yeah and that's that was because of the fiberglass and the material wasn't as good as it is now. Um, for the most part, glue's better I now. Wood. I was thinking um, about wood. Oh, like a self bow? Um, they definitely have a, I think they have a life uh, expectancy on a self bow. Uh I, I, uh, the wood just gets drier and drier, and eventually it's too dry, right? Yeah, um, and it, it's it's one of those things where if you have it perfect, like if you have the tiller absolutely exactly how it's supposed to be, and so there's you know not more stress on a certain area in the bow and all that stuff, they'll last a, a good amount of time. But you know, a self bow, you got to unstring it after you're done shooting it every time because of, it has what's called back set. So essentially, if you leave it strung, it, it'll just instead of you know popping back to straight, it'll actually just stay. You know, you'll lose a whole bunch of power and all that kind of stuff. So that's usually what happens to them, I think, is they just kind of wear out and they don't, they're not slinging an arrow very fast anymore. And then they'll, you know, like you said, create a weak spot and end up breaking somewhere. But, um, you, hey, Josh, I've got a, I've got a chronograph and I, and I've used to shoot everything through the chrono. Have you chronoed any of your, uh, trad bows? No, but I mean, I have a good idea of how fast they shoot just because of the arrow spine and all that I shoot. Um, what would you yeah, get for speed? Probably 170 feet per second, 160, 170. Okay. And then my self bow is probably like 150. If you get a, a, a traditional bow that's shooting 200 feet per second, it's pretty fast. And that would have to be a pretty heavy pull as well, right? Like I think mine's 45 pounds mm. at 28 inches or something. Yeah, no, not necessarily. I mean, yeah, it's going to be a little heavier maybe, but I mean, that, that helps, but. Nowadays, they make them so, I mean, they make them like, you know, some of the stuff for the Olympic archers and stuff are pretty high, um, high performing 
limbs and whatnot that'll throw an arrow pretty quick. And that's, you know, a lot of times that's not a hunting arrow, you know, it's a, those 200 plus feet per second, a lot of times are light arrows for, for target shooting. But anyway, that's probably enough for bored people with a, we haven't, we haven't lost any viewers though. So talking about trad archery. So <laughs> it's fun though. If anybody ever wants to do it, if you need some help, let me know. I, I like to teach people about it. Um, so the next next week, we may have to do this on Wednesday night, uh, just to give everybody a heads up, because I'm going to be traveling to Ohio on Thursday. Um, but after next week, we have some two really good guests coming up that we're, me and Dan are pretty excited to talk to. Um, so be looking forward to that. Me meaning this week, you didn't have a good guest. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, no, you were, uh, yeah. We were really struggling this week. I didn't even know. You couldn't find a better, you <laughs> couldn't find a better crossbow. We had to beg people to come on this week. Uh, I tried to give up my spot, so. Yeah. I think we tried four other people, and finally, Lou. Yeah. Uh, you called Rick me finally, like, Are you okay with Lou? And I'm like, I don't know if we have to. <laughs> uh, here, I got a question. Have you ever hunted Oklahoma, Dan? No. I haven't either. No. Someone asked what type of wood did I use Osage that I cut down at my neighbor's house. Osage orange. Hedge apples. Most people know what a hedge apple is. It's a hedge apple tree. The only time I was ever in uh, Oklahoma, I went on a beer run there from Arkansas. <laughs> I, was, I was at uh, my brother's place in Arkansas, and his, uh, his uh, brother-in-law asked me if I wanted to go on a beer run. And I'll never forget that because he was just this um, this hick that uh, basically he would get a job and he'd work there for a day so he had enough money to buy a bag of pot. And then when he ran out of pot, he'd go find another job. <laughs> but uh, the one job my brother would give him is to go on the beer runs because they're in a dry county or something like that. Or yeah, I, they must have stuff like that down there. Up here, everybody's drunk, so there's alcohol everywhere. But they had to run to Oklahoma to get beer, so we go on this beer run and. Uh, I get in the, the truck with him to go with him because he doesn't want to drive alone. And uh, we take off on the road. And as we, we go around the corner, you know, almost on two wheels, I notice that there's this giant handgun sitting on the uh, dash. And it slides past me. So I, because I, it's sliding around on the dash, he's running around. <laughs> so I pick the thing up and he goes, Yeah, for now, that thing loaded. <laughs> loaded because it was just flying all over the place, right? And he goes, well, you never know. We're going to see something to eat. And I remember that whole trip looking around, and I didn't see one critter on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's my only experience with Oklahoma. Sorry. No, that's all right. We've got another question here. It's a decent one. Uh, how Dan, how often are you finding yourself hunting in close proximity to property lines, 100 yards or less? He's finding an ongoing trend in his area that has him hunting close to uh, lines on private and public. You know, I think I do a lot, but I don't think it's because the deer are on the private coming to the public. I think most of your overlooked spots are near boundaries. You know, they're either near yeah. roads or near lines. I think the center of the property everybody goes to, if that makes sense to you. I mean, occasionally there are deer coming from from private to public, but I think uh, most of the time the um, the 
you know, property lines are around edges and that's where the bedding is. It's usually overlooked stuff. A lot of times the edges, some of it will look like it's uh, private when it's public. And um, yeah, I do end up by um, property lines a lot. Um, I try to stay off of them by far enough that a deer, if it's shot fatally, it won't uh, run across the line because quite often I run into landowners that won't let me track across their property. So I try to make sure I can kill a deer effectively within a range. Um, and I've had problems with landowners. They find out you're hunting there and they go berserk like they own the public, you know. Um, yeah. But basically, you have from one border to the next, the whole portion is yours. What you have to worry about is your deer or the game you shoot ending up on the wrong side of the fence. And then if the guy's going to be uh, nice about letting you uh, retrieve it. You know, in some places, like uh, when I hunted in Iowa, you could walk across the fence and go get your deer if it ran across the fence. Wisconsin, you're not that lucky. You can see the deer across the fence and you can't legally go over and get it. And uh, in most of the populated areas, people won't even let you go. You know, you can ask and it's yeah. probably 50, they'll let you get it. Right. I can't remember. I, this made me think of this, but uh, I was listening to a podcast. I can't remember which one it was. It was probably a meat eater one, but they had a they had bad flooding out west like in 2020 and all the lakes there um rose like a lot to where people's the lake had essentially reshaped people's land around the lake you know and uh so all the water was up in people's yards and everything else well you get you had bass fishermen you know out there in the in people's backyards um <laughs> fishing pretty much in their flower beds and stuff you know well, I guess the landowners had, you know, like, hey, your your boat is on my property, you know, and the fishermen were like, no, this is this is part of the lake now, and and blah blah blah, and they were making the joke that, uh, yeah, yeah, everybody knows that right on the property line is the best hunting, you know, just like it's going to be the best fishing because, you know, like, <laughs> which is was a weird scenario, but, um, anyways, so yeah, I guess it happens in the fishing community too when the lakes get bigger, people start complaining about fishing, people people fishing in their property. Um, Rick got on. He got on late, but he's on now. Hey, Rick. Oh, uh, I think that's like all the questions we had. Those were some decent ones at the end there. Nobody wanted to call in. No, nope, I didn't get anybody. I had a couple guys say that they'd call in, but they are in bed in their underwear, so that'd be a problem. Mm. No, nobody wants to wants any advice from me on how to sight in their crossbow. <laughs> <laughs> You should traditionally though, right? You're oh, you uh you don't have a sight or anything. You just like a like a trad bow. You just bring it up and shoot it. You know, part of the reason I probably sucked with the compound for so many years is I shot that thing. I didn't know any better. I never shot it with uh, with sights. I shot it. Uh, what do you call it? Instinctive. I never had sights on my compounds. And um, I found out later in life that um, every time I went to a pro shop to get one, um, it was every time I'd go take it somewhere to get a new string, they'd say. Who fit you? Who fit this bow to you? And I tell them what shot. Well, it's too long for you. So I was always shooting a compound with with no sights, just and and that's why I went back to the longbow, you know. And and I'm working on it. We'll see. But no, uh, sighting in a crossbow is pretty easy. It's just like sighting in a rifle, like a gun. You just turn the little turret on top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I remember Ted Nugent always shot his compound without sights. I remember that growing up, watching him on whatever his show was, Spirit of the Wild. I was, yeah. I, when I was a kid, because I went from I went from um, traditional archery to to compound, uh -huh. 
nobody training me. I just shot the compound the same way I shot traditional. And I'll tell you what, a compound without sights, I missed a lot of deer. I can, I can remember one that still burns. And I, I, I don't know why I remember it so well, because I was just a kid. But uh, I had this big old eight-pointer come out and walk out perfect. Right from where I expected him, right underneath me. And it was like a five-yard shot. And he's standing there quartering away, and I come to full draw. And missed him, like, by two feet. Like, and you know there was nothing wrong with the bow it was me i just shot it wrong i had at the angle i was on i wasn't shooting like that and when you're not using sights yeah but i had a lot of problems um figuring that stuff out without mentors and stuff when i was a kid josh when you, oh josh when you go to these trad shoots you see a lot of guys like me that went from a crossbow to a longbow not a lot, no. <laughs> Not a lot. I would say I went to it, yeah, but I'm working on it. I was uh I remember one shoot we there was a guy walking around shooting. There would be there was a lot of people these things, hundreds of people, you know, and uh if not thousands sometimes. Uh there's a guy that had a, a recurve and he had a like a compound bow sight on it. And dude, he was the talk of the he was the talk of the whole shoot. Like everybody was like, "Did you see that guy?" I'm like, "Yeah, I guess." Like, it was funny. Like you heard rumblings of it everywhere you went. It's like blasphemy or something. Oh, that that, that wouldn't work out because then you have them all hating you. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, yeah, you got to go one way or the other. Can't be on this line that you're, you're walking there, buddy. Um, no, it was all good. All right, we've been on for an hour and 40 minutes, so I guess it's not late where you guys are, but it's getting late where I'm at, so thanks for uh, for getting on. Like I said, guys, maybe next week it may, may end up being Wednesday. I don't think where I'm going to be at. We don't have very good internet service, which is going to be a problem, so we may just switch switch it to, to Wednesday. And then after that, we uh, have some really cool guests coming up that I think everybody's going to be um, – um, excited about so be looking forward to that some some guys have done a lot so um thanks for getting on everybody and we'll talk to you next thursday see ya